Next Chapter Podcasts. Spooky season may only come once a year, but you can always keep a special place in your heart for the spirit of the clawed, drooling monstrosities that want to tear off your flesh or plant their eggs in your brain year-round. That's what folklore historian J.W. Ocker does. He loves all the creepy critters humanity has cooked up in our heads over the centuries. So we gave him even more space to unleash these nightmares on you, the unsuspecting listeners. So what gives like a vampire or werewolf or Chucky or now that doll Megan staying power? Like why, why do those become successful? That is a really good question. I think part of it, so I'm, I'm also a little jaded because I'm deeply in the horror community. So I will watch any horror movie. I don't care if it's bad. I don't care if it's sequel number seven. I'm watching it every single time. So my oldest daughter is um, going on 14 now. She just told me yesterday uh, that one of her friends just watched the original Friday the 13th for the first time. And I'm like, what? That movie is, uh, I don't want to do the math, terrifying, like 45 years old. And we're still talking about Jason Voorhees, right? We're still talking about Bella Lugosi's Dracula, now almost 100 years later. So I don't know what makes it staying power. And especially with, with something like uh, a killer doll, right? With Chucky, there's a million killer doll movies out there, a million killer doll stories. But for some reason, Chucky is the one that stays. And it's, it's a combination of story, of timing, of things I don't think we'll ever be able to put our finger on. Um, and I would like to say it's because somebody did something different. And that that's the, I don't know if that's true. That's just me wanting it to be true. Like, um, I think it's just, I think it's a piece of magic that we've never been able to hit on, which is why we're always throwing darts at that board, constantly making, you know, Megan or constantly making, um, you know, uh, something else. But I, I'll give you a cynical answer. I love this answer. A cynical answer is those are today. Those are all IP. <laughs> so the the companies, the corporations, the multi-conglomerate international corporations that own this IP want to keep that IP going. So every so often you'll get a new Chucky movie. Every so often you'll get, a, you know, a new um, a remake of this movie or that movie or whatever. So there's a there's a compelling financial interest to keeping some of these things alive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the powers that be kind of decide for us. Yeah. But that's not the whole story, obviously, because we haven't had a Friday 13th movie and forever but yet this 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 13 year old is, is discovering it for the first time yeah no chucky scared the shit out of me when i was little i will never watch chucky movie i'm 31 i'm still scared of that doll <laughs> <laughs> no good dolls are spooky they just are always have been um and, and with chucky throwing putting a knife in his hand and a serial killer in his head that that's puts them, puts them right there it's like dangerous and spooky yeah what is it about like so many horror movies will have like little kids playing or singing why is that so creepy to us <laughs> you know what it is i think it is i think and this might be this um, one of the monster secrets we're looking for there's a corruption of innocence in that right we're always terrified of corrupting innocence so if a little children's nursery rhyme is suddenly used uh in a in a ominous way that feels bad a, a child's toy right a doll is just a child's toy every single child has had a doll that they've hugged and slept with at night making that thing spooky is again it's, it's a dis destruction and corruption of innocence and all that is right vampires you know turning a whatever a maiden into another vampire corruption of innocence somebody being turned into a lycanthrope right corruption of innocence so it might be that it might be exactly that and that's an extreme form of it right we're literally corrupting the most innocent thing on the planet well most innocent human on the planet a child into his playthings his songs his his actual being into in, into like a, a monster, Megan, right? That's just like, that's just like what was that? A twelve-year-old looking girl, yet she was terrifying when she wanted to be, right? It just didn't it didn't match up for us, right? We're probably less scared of a forty-five-year-old man covered in blood with a knife running at us than we are 
at the 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 shining twins from um from Kubrick's movie, right? Yeah. And it just that makes sense to us. A guy running for some reason that makes sense to us that a guy would run us a knife. But children, like that's there's double there's double danger there. There's the danger to us, but also the danger to them. Because again, we have this impulse as an adult, we have this most of us have this impulse to protect children, not to protect ourselves from children. That's kind of like a, a scary place to be. Yeah, and I think there's also something, at least for me personally, like something really scary about something you don't expect to be. Like if I watch the movie Anaconda, I already know snakes are scary, but like the movie Cujo or the birds, like you expect birds and dogs to be nice. And then when they aren't, that's really scary. That's brilliant. I think that you're dead right about that. Somebody, and again, you put birds in the hand of a master like Alfred Hitchcock and he makes them scary, that that changes things a bit, right? You don't look at birds the same way. Like you said, you always look at snakes the same way. We all do. But birds, like, oh, birds. The second they become somebody with somebody with like mastery of their craft becomes a, turns them into a monster. You're like, oh, man. Now they're scary too. Like everything has to be scary. Like the entire world has no safe space for us. Yeah. Um, that's great. No, I like, I like that point a lot. That makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> so why do things like Twilight or even Dracula, why do those things become like weirdly sexualized? <laughs> It's a good question. Um, I would say my guess is so. The, so we've talked about them being other, right? Um, being unknown. They're also forbidden, right? And nothing's a bigger turn on than being forbidden, right? So the second you're again with, with regular, so I have daughters. The second I'm like, don't date that guy. I'm sure my daughter's like, ah, that's the guy I actually want. I've never thought about it before. But that's the guy <laughs> good I point. Want. <laughs> so like monsters the same way. As long as they're they don't even have to be pretty, right? So Shape of Water was about a, a woman being attracted to a fish man. He wasn't yeah. he didn't even, he wasn't Brad Pitt with fangs. He was an actual scaly fish monster. But he was like weirdly hot. I don't know. He had abs. You're right. You're right. He, he had a good <laughs> body. He was gentle. He had like, well, yeah, he was, there was, yeah, you're right. There was something. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're forbidden. So I think going, if, going after that forbidden and taming that monster, there's a little bit of that too. I know like being able to say this person, this thing is dangerous. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? That, that, that entire show was about that almost like, you know, this per this thing is dangerous to me. I shouldn't do it, but I know I'm strong enough to do this and I can tame it. And the rewards of that are going to be vast. So I think it, I think it plays into all the, you know, typical why we mess ourselves up getting involved with the wrong people in general. We don't even need monsters for that. We do that in real life. Um, so I think it's that. I think that forbidden quality, that ability to want to be like the one to tame them or the one to like be different with them. Um, like if you could woo Dracula after he's been spent hundreds of years wooing other people, um, you're kind of special. <laughs> yeah, it's that weird, like, I can fix him complex. Yeah, exactly. I can fix Dracula. So <laughs> that funny. Like that's like a movie concept that somebody should do. So what are uh, some of your favorite monsters that more people need to know about that aren't Dracula or werewolves or Chucky or the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> I will tell you my favorite monster of all time, which everybody knows about this one, but my favorite of all time, like if I was going to get a tattoo of a monster on my chest, it would be <laughs> um, the Headless Horseman. I'm just a massive fan of the Headless Horseman. And the interesting thing about the Headless Horseman is it's not even really a, um, like a legend. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a literary phenomenon. Uh, it, it was based on... A couple, there's, a, there's a couple like headless riders throughout history in various countries for sure. But the one we know today came about because Washington Irving wrote a story about it. And he said it in a real place. You can go to Sleepy Hollow, New York tomorrow if you want to. It's like 15 minutes from Manhattan. They have the, the entire the chase route from the story is still there. You can actually, because of the way Irving described it, you can know where the starting point was, where the Hessian jumped out and scared Ichabod all the way to the graveyard where he uh, ended up. Irving himself ended up moving there because he loved the place so much. You visit his house, his grave, he's buried there. Um, they have a statue of the, of the Headless Horseman chasing 
um, chasing a cloud right downtown. It's like Salem, like the 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 fire engines and the police officers have like headless horsemen on their badges, and like the kids that go to school, their mascot is the headless horseman, so they all graduate. Like in Salem, it's witches, and um, in Sleepy Hollow, it's it's, it's headless horsemen. Cool. I've always loved them. I, I think it's mostly even though he's a faceless creature, like it's hard to like love a, be into a faceless creature, which is why nobody likes the Invisible Man. Um, it's just it's, it's the spirit of fall. It's so connected to a season that you know you always see that a horseman surrounded by pumpkins and with leaves, colorful leaves. And for some reason, that is so pleasing to me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that... <laughs> you're very cottage core, apparently. <laughs> exactly. No, I am totally, totally. I'm, I'm in a room right now, you know, decorated like a pumpkin. I guess. Uh, so there's something about that. That, that it just my, there's no such thing as a spirit monster, I guess. But that would be my spirit monster. It's like this headless horseman running through this forest with a jack o' lantern in his hand, <laughs> on fire. The whole Disney scene, you know. So that's my favorite. The one I would want more people to know about that they may not know is uh, a cryptid. It's it's in my book. It's called a snallygasser. Have you heard of this? That's a great name. No. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, I, I got a whole education vocabulary doing doing this cryptid. There's such great names: Snallygaster, Snarly Yow, like all these the great names. The Snallygaster is from my home state. I'm from Maryland. Oh, I'm from Maryland. Where are you from? So I grew up in like five. So I grew up in Southern Maryland, St. Mary's County. But then I spent ten years in PG County, Cecil County, Frederick County, Washington County. I still have family down there. So I and then I went around the edge and basically I went all the way around DC. But yeah, so. Um, it's what it's a Western Maryland, um, Western Maryland, uh, myth story. And for those that don't know, Western Maryland is Maryland shaped like a pot basically. And Western Maryland is the handle. It's like the skinny, skinny piece of land that connects West Virginia and Virginia and Pennsylvania all, all together. And, uh, it's the creature is basically if you combined, it's big, you combine like a dragon and a chicken and an octopus. So it's this big winged creature with a beak, possibly head of a, of a bird and octopus tentacles coming out of its mouth. And the Snallygaster was, it has an interesting origin because kind of like the monster we talked about earlier, a lot of cryptids were made um, to scare black people, honestly, to scare slaves and ex-slaves. And, and to, to, there's, there's newspapers, again, go to the newspapers. There's newspapers where they're trying to make them, scare them into not going out to vote, right? Um, and the Snallygaster has a, some of those, some of those um, origin points. Um, but he's also just a monster <laughs> that like, to, you know, picks people up, eats them. It's one of the few cryptids that was stories of actually hurting people. Most cryptids just like scare and run off into the forest. But it actually has stories of it picking people up and taking it to hills and just feasting on their innards. Um, again, with cryptids, they're they're talked about both as a species of animal and as a single animal. So there's like some like some like um, uh, stuff that doesn't match up with every story. But for the Snallygaster, the biggest story about it is it died. Because it, it detected moonshine. This is during Prohibition. Detected the fumes of moonshine. Got got inter, got into it. <laughs> Went over there, got a little intoxicated, and fell into a vat of boiling moonshine and died. And then the moonshiners were afraid that was going to attract the cops because again it's Prohibition time. So they burned the place down <laughs> or something like that, and it took off. Run took off. For the, oh no, they took off for the hills, and the police came and then destroyed the whole place. So there's a whole story of like Prohibition tied up. A whole and I've never been able to parse it out. It's kind of like what kind of. Uh, Stories being told there, but you check, again check the newspapers. There's reports of the Snallygaster dying in a vat of moonshine, and like you know, again a little bit tongue in cheek possibly from the writers, but uh, still it's part of mythology. Interesting, because I mean Maryland's not that old when we're talking about like history and monsters and ancient things. I mean Maryland's only been around for a few hundred years. This looks like super mythological. This looks like it could come yeah. out of like something biblical. <laughs> Yeah, and exactly right. So, and dragons are you are you interesting because every single culture has a dragon myth, and all the dragons look different depending on where where they're from. 
Um, and this, I feel like this is just another dragon myth. It just happens to be contained this one little part of America. Although some, some people connect it to like the Jersey devil, right? Which is a, a winged horse looking creature that is not that far away from Maryland. It's New Jersey. It's like the, you know, they, they, it's the next state over in, in some places. So some people connect those creatures together and say, they're just this idea of this dragon like creature flying around the mid Atlantic <laughs> that's just been called different things by different people over the years. Cool. I, I really didn't know that America had its own creature myth. That's so cool. Well, J, uh, JW, you did so great. Is there anything that I missed that you feel needs to be brought up? Like something people should know about horror, something that came up that you were thinking in the background when we were talking? Yeah, I think the one for me is um, there is a beauty in horror. Uh, and again, you, Sleepy Hollow is one of my examples I usually use for that, right? It's a bloody rated R story. Um, but man, the visuals are so amazing. And like the idea, again, horror is just the other side of the coin from wonder. It's all the same stuff. So again, there's, a, there's still, there's often a stigma for the horror person who likes horror, right? Even if horror itself is losing the stigma, the person who likes horror still has that stigma. Well, no, I, I feel like that's, I, I kind of think I'm on the same page as you. Like, uh, like Tina Fey once said, I judge people by what they laugh at. And as a comedian, totally. Like, I judge how smart you are by, like, what jokes you're laughing at. Uh, and I try to be nice to everybody, but I decide who I'm going to get along with based on humor. And it's probably very similar with horror. It is. Like, one of the cliches, again, is, Steve, I'll use Stephen King again, because he's so relatable, is, you know, writes the most horrific scenes on the planet, and you meet him, and he's a kitty cat, right? He's, like, a, a well-meaning, philanthropic, good old guy. And, you know, that dichotomy right there should tell us everything we want to know about a human being, you know, the ability to, like, to, to, to meditate on the worst things about life and still come out of it a decent person. That might be hopeful. I'm not a hopeful guy, but that might be hopeful. You kind of changed my mind a little bit in that moment because I always thought, like, the guy that wrote Saw is probably terribly fucked up. But then I sit around thinking about fucked up jokes all day long, and I don't want people to think I'm a bad person. <laughs> no, comedy is like horror. You're both breaking taboos. That's yeah. Exactly the point break taboos and it's dangerous you're always wire walking when you're doing both of those things sometimes you could fall on the wrong side right even horror people saw the torture porn era of movies was definitely dabbling in that world of like oh this is just pointless horror because there can be pointless horror comedians have the same point where there's like oh is this a distasteful joke or is this a joke that's not is this punching down punching down you guys have this your own set of booby traps for like when you're doing you know great comedy or not but again the fact that you're trying always says something. Somebody's trying to write a horror story makes me happy. Somebody's trying to do like a really good set that is thought provoking and shocks me into like out of complacence. That's that's the act itself. I think is, is, is testament. Subscribe, rate, and review Indecent with Kiki Anderson wherever you get your podcast. Follow the show at Indecent Kiki on Instagram. Follow me at It's Kiki Anderson. Email the show at IndecentThePod at gmail.com. And come back next week for more Indecent, where NSFW meets LMAO. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts 
to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Next Chapter Podcasts.